It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. Welcome back, everybody. Super excited to have you here today on the show, lawyer Norm Blumenthal. You may recall Norm Blumenthal is an attorney for voter uh, for workers and consumers, uh, selected as one of the top attorneys in Southern California. Also, Norm was recognized and inducted as one of America's most trusted lawyers in the area of employment law. Norm Blumenthal has been a regular con- contributor here for many years, and one of my favorite things about Norm, he tells you how it really is. Norm Blumenthal, welcome back. Nice to be here, Bert, and um, it's good to talk about where we are now after the election uh, and where we're going to go in the next uh, two years because we have another election coming up in 24, and that I think that's going to be the most exciting election uh, that this country has had in 100 years. Uh, this is going to be an amazing elec- election, um, maybe not all for good. Um, and if you asked me before this morning, uh, how do you tell the difference between a, a Republican and a Democrat? I would tell you that, uh, as we've talked about many times, that the Republicans stand on the side of management and uh, the Democrats stand on the side of labor. And um, this still holds true for a group of Republicans, but as of today, I'm going to have to break up the Republicans, Bert. I think there's the redneck Republicans who are uh, Trump controls and the boardroom uh, Republicans who... uh, uh, Republicans like uh, Mitt Romney control. And uh, I think that, that potentially you're going to see a split like they had in the 20s um, with the Democrats and the Dixocrats. Um, you're going to see a split in the Republican Party if uh, Trump doesn't win the election uh, for the nomination for president. And you're going to see a split in any event in the Republican Party if he does win because I don't think any of the uh, boardroom Republicans are going to support him. So it's pretty exciting what's happening now. Well, absolutely. You know, we've had uh, some high-level Republicans recently uh, announce uh, or state that they are never again Trumpers, I guess is what I think the phrase that uh, uh, former Speaker uh, Ryan uh, said uh, in his interview and then interestingly enough, you know, you sent me that article which blew me away where the Republicans were talking about getting back to serving the everyday people. And I just thought that was a fascinating article. You may want to touch on that because this is what you're talking about, this, this split. The, the Republicans are having an identity crisis, really. Oh, serious identity crisis. Yeah, and the, and the article, is, you talk about the most conservative – Republican senators, Hawley, Cruz, Rubio, they voted in favor of not only the Railroad Act um, that passed, but sending the railroad workers back to work with all of the uh, um, increases, but they also, these three senators, voted in favor of giving the railroad workers, along with every Democrat, uh, their sick pay, the week's sick pay. It doesn't seem like much, but... Um, the uh, boardroom Republicans were just not going to give in to this. Uh, but these redneck Republicans, 
they are a, a group, that, and they call them themselves uh, popular conservatives, um, which is, is a nice name for them. But in, in any event, they're out there, and they're not the ones like Mitt Romney. He's out there. He wants to uh, get rid of Social Security, get rid of Medicare, get rid of Obamacare, and decrease taxes. That's that's the uh, platform for these boardroom Republicans. And the split today, right today as we're talking, they, uh, McCarthy cannot get win the uh, – uh, Speaker of the House, because he doesn't have enough Republican votes. There's a, a split in the House between the redneck Republicans and the um, boardroom Republicans, and he can't get the redneck Republicans to support him. So there's no way that you have to have all the Republicans. There's a very small majority in the House. And so at the end of the day, uh, if he wants to get elected, he's going to have to come and make a deal with the Democrats. That's how crazy it is right now. That is so funny, isn't it? Yeah, it's and and it's going to it's just this is just the tip of the iceberg. It's going to run through the primaries and going to run through the election and I have no doubt in my mind if Trump does not get the nomination that he's going to run as a third party uh candidate as a redneck Republican candidate and um which will be a cakewalk for uh uh, President Biden, if he chooses to run again, because he's the only, he'll be the only safe candidate. There'll be a, uh, a Republican that'll be nominated to whoever it's going to be, and then there'll be Trump, and then there'll be Biden, and um, that three-way split. It may never heal itself. This, the, the Republican Party, may be split from from now on, and we could have three parties, and it'll be a completely different world. Uh, if you can believe it or not, the the Cruz and Hawley and uh, Rubio, they when they voted for this um, additional sick pay, who would, they were giving fist bumps uh, to Bernie Sanders. You know that was so wild. <laughs> it is just so. like is is this just? <laughs> well, you know what? Now now I tell you, this is my hope. My hope is that. This show of bipartisanship, uh, working together for the common good of everyday folks, um, you know, maybe maybe it's a holiday miracle, uh, whatever you want to call it. But you know what what blew me away is first of all, how is it possible that railroad rail, uh, road workers are are fighting for this? This it, it's. It's like this should be a no-brainer. How is this still a thing? And then number one, these conservatives fist bumping Bernie Sanders—it's—it's it's almost too much to imagine. Yeah, it, it's interesting because this was the first chance that the uh, boardroom Republicans had to really destroy Biden um, if they if they wanted to. They could have kept this railroad um, uh, strike. Uh, from being settled uh, by not giving uh, Biden the uh, 60 votes to beat the uh, filibuster in the Senate, and they didn't. They they voted in favor of keeping America running, because that would have put 750,000 railroad workers out of work, and it would it, it would be loss of billions of dollars in uh, commerce every day. 
and they chose the middle ground. They, you know, they they chose the middle ground to allow it at least to pass. And then on the on the redneck side, they wanted even more for the uh, populist vote. They wanted the uh, sick days, which is, from my standpoint, it's a good day for labor. Um, to see that uh, that the uh, redneck Republicans are uh, coalescing around um, uh, laws that would be favorable to labor, but I I believe it when I see it because I am a little skeptical um, that they're abandoning the boardroom Republicans so quickly. But it may be that we're going to see everything coalesce somewhere in the middle. That would be our hope. Is we, you know we have a centrist like Biden. And we have a centrist in, in Congress, so we can continue on uh, where we are. And I think we're, we're in a good spot right now. I think the economy is moving forward. We're in a good spot. People are, um, price of oil has come down, uh, plenty of jobs, wages are going up. So it's, it's a situation where it's, it, it, it's as good as we can hope for at this point in time. And that's, that's good news, except in the boardroom because stock prices are going down. Right, right. Well, and, and you know what? I, I think that uh, from an investor point of view, now is a great time to invest uh, and, and just ride it out. It's going to be a year or two, um, but they, it always comes back. But you know what? I wanted to ask you this. I, I wanted to get your thoughts uh, because Mitt Romney's not the only uh, Republican to promote this idea of getting rid of Social Security benefits, I, I, you know, and, and – it's it's one of those things that boggles my mind. Uh, you know, the the uh, Mr. Blake Masters in Arizona uh, basically promoted the same idea. And I'm trying to I'm scratching my head thinking, why would anybody want to get rid of Social Security benefits? You know, for most Americans, it's an essential thing. Yeah, it, it, the numbers for what the, this economy really runs on Social Security, Medicare, um Obamacare, um, and they're attacking it because of this mythical balanced budget that's never going to exist anymore. But their their idea is well, their problem is is that we never they never vote on uh, Social Security anymore. It's it's an entitlement, what's called an entitlement, and it's just in the budget. Right. And they they want it to be no, they don't want it to be in the budget. They want to have the ability to, to vote it down every year in the budget. And this is where the Republicans stand because when they can put, put the brakes on, on uh, Social Security. Medic, you know, if, if you look at Social Security and Medicare, um, anybody you know, like Romney that doesn't have six houses and, and make $85 million a year, um, they have some – uh, benefit of Social Security. In fact, if you look at the statistics, Medicare is actually a lifeline for 64.5 million elderly people. Right. You can believe that. I mean, these people live on it, and uh, Social Security it keeps people out of poverty. Um, you know, there's you know, 50 percent of of the people. Social Security is the most anti-poverty program in in history. Uh, it accounts for 50% of the income for almost half of the recipients and more than 90% of the income uh, for about 25% of, of seniors. So for, for them to say this is they're just 
I think they, they've lost touch with reality, but there's a substantial number of Republicans. This is their battle cry. If you're a boardroom Republican, you want to balance the budget, You want to, uh, and in balancing the budget, the only way to do it is to cut the entitlements program. And uh, that's, you saw how close they came to not passing Obamacare, you know, one vote. And right. now it's it, it's a fixture. People, I mean, we don't talk about uh, people losing their uh, uh, health care because of a pre-existing condition, or the inability to to get uh, health care be, uh, because it, it costs so much. Everybody is is in the system now, or has the opportunity to be in the system to protect themselves and their children up to the age of twenty five, twenty six, and so. It, a lot of good things have happened that need to be protected. And at the same time, this group of boardroom Republicans want to do away with it. These are the old line Republicans. And I think they're really realistically in this country, their day has passed. And uh, that's why you're seeing this major split in the Republican party, because there still is a group of them and mostly from the Western states um, you know, they they made their money. They live in, in still live in areas that are not heavily populated. But senators, you know, you have two senators from Montana and two senators from California. You get the population uh, differential is you know what a hundred times. Right. So so they're not representing a lot of people, and they all think the same. They don't. They all don't want to pay taxes. And they really don't, you know, they don't need Medicare and they don't need Social Security. They have ranches and they have money and they have, you know, oil production of some sort. And so they're these, and, and you don't need many of them. So they control the votes and, and the people that work out there do just fine too. And they don't want to pay taxes. So that that's the, the group you're dealing with. And they control a substantial number of, of senators. So Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that people need to, uh, when I say people, let me rephrase it. The, one of the things that Congress needs to take in consideration, I think, is instead of taking money away from the working class of America, why don't we take money away from the corporations that, that still get millions and millions, if not billions of dollars in subsidies? And we're not talking mom and uh, mom and dad type of uh, uh, of businesses. We're not talking about the small businesses, companies that are, you know, 100 people or less, 50 people or less. Even these small companies don't have access to the type of programs that these multi-billion dollar corporations are able to access. And we're talking uh, some of these massive conglomerates that are getting millions if not billions of dollars in subsidies because they know how the system works and they're able to access this money. And I'm thinking, you know, these companies that are, that are posting profit, uh, massive profits uh, could probably stand not to be on the government cheats. They, they're <laughs> the ones who can afford to lose the subsidies that they're getting. And those subsidies would probably help balance that budget a little bit easier and a little bit faster than putting, you know, than putting a hundred million people out on the street. 
Right, and, and I think the law passed. It hasn't been implemented yet, but corporations who make over a billion dollars a year um, you know, have to pay a minimum of 15% tax. I mean, that's not a lot to ask uh, with, with those kind of profits. So I think that something is in the works. It just hasn't been, become effective yet. The problem really is is the minimum wage is still $7.40. And, uh, you know, 40 cents. And that right. is yet to pass. So, you know, these redneck Republicans, if they want to show their true worth to the uh, their constituency, that's what should be passing is is increasing at a, the federal level the minimum wage to around $15 or more an hour. You know, we've talked about this for years, getting it up. And in every state, we've been able to do it virtually statewide, you know, the, the increase in minimum wage, well, 26 states so far. But it should be across the board. Those are the people that are really suffering. So we'll see. I mean, these these senators, they they may bring it up again. It didn't pass last time. I got kicked out of the budget, but maybe it'll find its way into law in, in the next next couple of years. But this, there's been a earthquake today in the House of Representatives because the Republicans, as a group, could not agree on a uh, Speaker of the House, even though they have a majority. They couldn't get their act together, and they're off by a bunch. There's about 150 or so uh, redneck Republicans in the House that have been elected. They're Trumpers, and they're just not going to coalesce with the other uh, 100 or so um, uh, boardroom Republicans that are there, and it's a real problem in the House. Uh, for because the Republicans cannot run the House if they don't have a majority vote and a, and a uh, speaker. So this is what we're looking at as we sit here today, and it's and if, if, you know that, and also looking at senators like Cruz and Hawley and, and uh, Rubio coming out in in, in favor of um, the uh, sick pay for railroad workers. I mean that's a major earthquake. And yeah, I, I, no, absolutely. I think it, you know you're just going to have you're looking at the beginning of it. We're just talking about it. the question is, you know, where, where where does this leave the Democrats? And I think it leaves the Democrats, you know, where they've always been, which is united in favor of the worker. Uh, and uh, if more people come along, all the better. Uh, but I think we're we're going to see a major shift in the Republican Party. Uh, where the uh, boardroom Republicans will either have to coalesce or find uh, another constituency in the um, in the middle class um, in, in terms of, of the uh, Democrats. But I think the idea of, of getting rid of Social Security, this that that came up right at the end of this last election. I think that's what destroyed the uh, Republicans at the ballot box. Nobody wanted to vote. You know, is this what the Republicans stand for? Where you know, count me out. Right. Getting rid of Social Security. I think that was the. Everybody understands how important it is. I mean, I, the Republicans must have been deaf. I think Mitt Romney's deaf. I mean, he just. I mean, how can he? You know, come out, continue to come out with, with this. Be, and I assume it is because his his Utah seat is safe. You know, you see all this talk from uh, the, the small state, uh, in terms of population, the small state uh, Republicans, that they're able to talk like this because they know that they can get reelected. Yeah, 
I think that I think that uh, like you said earlier, Romney and, and, and these individuals who are trying to uh, get rid of Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security are completely out of touch. You know, when, when you're making a hundred million dollars a year, these benefits you don't care about them. They're not going to uh, change your life in any way. But when you're making, you know, a hundred grand a year, and you're trying to get your kids through school and everything else, then Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid becomes a a lifeline. Yeah, and and you know you can include Obamacare in there. I mean, because you know, Medicare doesn't kick in until your sixties, or Social Security. But now with Obamacare, I mean, you had a pre-existing condition, or your child had a pre-existing condition. You you always hear the stories about people going bankrupt for medical expenses. We don't hear those stories anymore, and that's you know a blessing that we're able to at least had the ability to, to protect all our citizens from catastrophic uh, medical expenses. So right. and, it, and real quick, I do want to, I do want to point this out since we're talking about some of these catastrophic medical things that, that occurs pretty regularly. Many years ago when I'm thinking it was like, I think it was during George Bush Jr., the Republicans were able to pass a law that medical bills were no longer dischargeable in bankruptcy. Yeah. And, and, and so a lot of people don't understand, you know, where some of these, I, I don't know how to, how to phrase them, these anti-human, humanistic laws come from, but you have to be, a, you have to be a certain level of dictator to, uh, to want to, uh, what do you call it, uh, hold people down with a bunch of medical debt. You know, if they're, if they're going to the point of filing bankruptcy, their life is probably spinning out of control, and they need to break. Otherwise, they wouldn't yeah. be filing bankruptcy. And, and, to, well, and yeah. to force them to have this, this unsecured debt, is crazy, and also anybody who's ever worked, not worked, uh, had to deal with the medical establishment, a lot of times you don't even know what the prices are. You, you have no way of negotiating anything until after the procedures are done, and most people don't have the strength or the energy or the chutzpah to, to, uh, to you know, negotiate those bills down, but you know, if, if you just had a two or $300,000 medical bill, and you're able to negotiate half of it, you're still stuck with $150,000 with a debt. And it's just crazy that uh, yeah. Republicans were able to get this thing passed. Yeah, and, well, fortunately, you know, we, got, we, got, we have Obamacare to protect everybody. And I, I don't know if that law is still in effect, but um, hopefully um, they get rid of it because, you know, bankruptcy is good enough for a trillion-dollar company. It's good enough for a, a $1,000 uh, a week employee, Absolutely. you know, it's crazy. And, you know, that was part of George Bush Jr.'s whole thing when he got reelected. He, you know, he's running around saying, I have currency. I'm going to get rid of Social Security and Medicare. I mean, that didn't go very well. 
um, and he withdrew all of his proposed laws because they were dead on arrival. But uh, at that point in time, that was the beginning of it. And if I recall also, you know, when Romney was running, he was going to deport, you know, the 11 million people in the country that weren't here illegally. You know, how was he going to do that? Nobody knew. But that was the battle cry for the uh, Republicans. And it still is. I mean, the redneck Republicans want to still want to deport anybody that's 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 here uh, and didn't come in through proper channels. That That's still one of their big battle cries. So we have to deal with that, and and that's going to be an be an issue, obviously coming up. You know, there has to be a pathway, not to necessarily to citizenship, but at least a pathway pathway to uh, work permits, so that people aren't in the shadows and working, you know, cash and carry jobs and don't have the ability to uh, to come out of the shadows and 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 have a, a, a job and go to college. I mean, this is right, right. Well, it, it, and and I agree with what you said. Look, if if you're here illegally and you're given some kind of work permit, I think if you got here illegally, then you're excluded from ever having citizenship. However, what you know, roll up your sleeves, let's get to work, and, and let's create a better life for you and your family, uh, and allowing these undocumented individuals to start paying into the system. There's a lot of these undocumented individuals who are driving around without a driver's license or uh, insurance because they're afraid that as soon as they uh, try to get into the system, they're going to be deported. And I think that by allowing them to work here, uh, we get so many benefits. They're able to get into the system. We know who they are. They be, they're, they're, again, they're, they become part of the system and we're able to, for lack of better terms, track them. You know, just like just like any other person here in America who's here legally. You know, if, if you're here legally, you're being, you know, to an extent. Uh, I, I don't want to sound like cons- like a conspiracy nut, but you know, we all once you start paying into the system, the government knows kind of where you're at, right? I mean, right. that's just part of the deal. And so, there's nothing wrong with that. If you're if you're if you're you know, what do you call it, abiding by the law and you're a good citizen, a good person, you know, nothing, nothing ever comes of that. Now, if, if you start misbehaving, then yeah, the government may take a closer look. But bottom line is, to me, there are so many benefits to allowing these undocumented individuals to get into the system, to be recognized, to be able to pay their taxes, to be able to, to, to easily access, um, what do you call it, uh, insurance and, and a driver's license and, and be part of the system, that's a win for everybody because they're not taking jobs from – they're not taking jobs away from people that want these jobs. It's, you know, I, 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 don't know any, I don't know anybody uh, in my circle, and, and Norm, you tell me, I don't know anybody in my circle who's dying to become a, a dishwasher uh, or a landscaper uh, and, and not to say that these jobs are not important, they are. And but uh, as you and I know, that a couple of years ago in California, when uh, maybe it's been four years or something like that, when Trump was really uh, going after illegal immigration uh, immigrants, the farmers in California had nobody to pick their crops. Right, and it's 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 nuts. I mean, basically, if if somebody here is here and wants to work, I mean, there's millions of jobs right now. They can't find people to get to take the jobs, and that's right. why the, the wages have, have gone up so much, which is is a good thing. 
But by the same token, if somebody's here and, and wants to work, give them a work permit. The idea that somehow that they have a right to become a citizen to me is ridiculous, but by the same token, there's no reason they can't have a work permit and live safely and protected by the laws and in in the system. The, the underground economy, the cash and carry economy is huge in this country because of the of the immigration laws that we have. So there needs to be a change there, but this is all going to shake itself out now um, in in the, this, these next two years and coming into this next uh, election in 24, because I I just don't see the Republican Party being able to coalesce behind uh, one candidate. I don't see Trump if he loses the nomination. I don't see him going away. And if he wins the nomination, I don't see him attracting Republicans to vote for him that are not otherwise uh, redneck Republicans who support him. So it's it's a situation that the Republican Party needs to figure out where they're going to be and who they're going to be, because there's a, this split between which what they call um, Popular uh, conservatism and uh, and old line conservatism is huge in, in the Republican Party, and you know at the same time, you know we need changes in our judicial system that we're going to have to see. Right now, the uh, U.S. Supreme Court is so one-sided, and it'll be that way for the next 50 years because there is no age limit. I mean, to serve in the U.S. Supreme Court when you're 75, you need to retire. And there should yeah, be I agree. a mandatory uh, age re uh, retirement. They can put that into effect now, and you'll continue to get turnover. And you'll get, instead of getting people, these very, very young and inexperienced uh, uh, judges, you'll get people that are in their 50s that are experienced and top of the line and can work for 25 years as a judge and then have them replaced. I mean, you don't need to pack the court. You just need an age limit. You can't, and you just can't have people uh, on the court forever. You know, this lifetime appointment needs to change. So hopefully they'll do that. There's, I mean, there's a lot of wonderful things that we can see that could come out of some type of uh, middle ground between um you know the republicans that 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 want to be pro labor and us this this conservative populism can coalesce into being part of the democratic party at some point i really believe it absolutely norm i think that's i think you're onto something and i, I wholeheartedly agree with you on that we're out of time norm it's been wonderful to have you here looking forward to having you back soon yeah, no, looking forward to it. Everybody have a healthy and happy holidays and a, a wonderful, prosperous new year. Good stuff there, Norm. Thank you so much. You have a good you one. Too. Good stuff there from Norm Blumenthal. Norm Blumenthal, like I said earlier, he is the guy who stands up for workers and consumers, as you can tell. Uh, if you have questions about Norm, uh, if you want to reach out to him and his team, you can reach out to him at BAM Law. CA.com. That's BAM, B A M, Law, L A W, C A, BAMLawCA.com. Check them out. Hey, maybe you disagree with what we talked about. Let me know. Maybe you agree. Maybe you have some ideas. Let me know. You can reach me on all social medias 
or you can reach me here on the show and would love to hear your comments, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So let's share this episode with everyone we know. Let's help everyone uh, be more aware. And I think that, uh, you know, whether you like it or not, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, the reality is we all have to figure out how to work together. We all have to make America better for everyone and not just a few. And, it, and, and so anyway, that's kind of my thought. Uh, let me know what you guys think. Remember, you were created to succeed. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch. And check out our website at moneyforlunch.com. <laughs>